0: Welcome to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch, and this is a podcast of conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Robert Burig. Robert's the co-founder and CEO of Cognium, a company that's working with organizations empowering them to discover new truths through the collection and analysis of data. Cognium's Tandem Suite helps bridge the gap of understanding between executives and frontline staff, ensuring decisions made, create the best possible outcomes for clients, staff, and businesses alike. Hey, Robert, how are you going?
1: Hey, it's good. Good to be here. Where
0: are you joining from, mate? Uh, from Brisbane, Australia. Cool, cool. Hey, um, am really keen to, to dig more into... Cognium and Tandem Suite and what you do. So let's kick it off. Tandem Suite, what is it? Who's it for? And what problem does it solve?
1: Sure. At the core, Tandem Suite is a software platform. It allows you to go and figure out inefficiencies and problems in the workplace, things that are causing you or maybe your employees pains at the front lines. And then it helps you calculate what those problems are worth. So if you've got something that's taking a lot of time or a lot of paperwork or just not staffed properly, we can actually tell you how much that's cost the business so then it actually becomes an incentive. Now we have a carrot because we have a budget that we can work from. We see how much is being wasted. Now we can start making some solutions with an idea of how much we have to spend because that's the potential savings at the the forefront.
0: It sounds like a central problem for like any business that exists in the world. So that's a broad kind of, (laughs) and that's great. That's a big problem to solve. But who buys or who uses what you make?
1: It's varied. So we made it so it was drag and droppable and and very customizable. So it's been used by Johnson & Johnson to do theater efficiency studies. It's been used by Epworth in partnership with one of their startups that they're monitoring to see if it delivers the value that they expect. new startup called Consentic, And it's also been used at the Wesley Mission up here at a private clinic by the administrators to see what the correct staffing levels were at a certain hospital. So there's lots of different ways it's been used. That's why we built it is we found that these types of studies happen all the time and you might call it time and motion or you might call it design thinking or Lean Six Sigma or even Safety 2. There's all this element of going out and observing and seeing things firsthand. But it's really hard to take that analysis of the qualitative insights that you're getting and put it into something that is measurable and makes sense and that you can calculate some kind of cost off of. And so that's what our software was intended for, to help manage that a little easier.
0: So it's software that you take a bunch of data points that have been collected and then it does something and provides you an output or how does it, what's the... Yeah, you can think
1: of it almost, yeah, it's like a crowdsourced research project. So we create an app that's customized to whatever workflow or process, and then you can either self-report or have some interns come in and shadow and just write down all the things that are happening in their insights. And then all that reports in real time to a centralized dashboard. So you could be taking a research project across 15 different wards in two different states, and the dashboard would calculate all that across all the different inputs and Put it up for the administrator to see in real time as people are reporting it
0: yeah cool okay and robert what about yourself give us a bit of background about you i mean that's a heavy brisbane accent that you've got going on there but um is that obvious huh (laughs) (laughs) what brings you into this role
1: yeah so i was originally a yank from the states and (laughs) they um i finished college and i started working for a large um electric medical record provider. So a vendor over there, one of the biggest ones that they had in the states. We started selling a lot of contracts in over Australia and they said we need somebody to go build out these new systems for Queensland Health, United Care, like most of the eastern seaboard started becoming digital in the public healthcare space. So my job was the senior systems architect and production manager. So basically it was my job to keep hospitals upgrading until they finally hit all digital, Mm. basically. So my first two projects recently won HIMSS Level 7, which is the highest distinction you can make for no paper, all digital. And one of them even won the Davies Award, which is the first in Australia to ever get that. So it's not just me, like these huge teams that went into that. My job was mostly answering the phones and pages and if anything went wrong, I, I was the first point of contact for a SWAT team to go and fix and deliver. So that was my background. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's your background why I got here.
0: And so, and then, how, how do you bridge that gap? You you're co-founder of Cognium and you've got ten suite going on <laughs> there. What, what's that gap in between that helped you come to that point?
1: Yeah, I've always had a very strong vision of helping, and um, improving healthcare, and that's why I was. It was a very difficult job, but there was a moment back probably about 2017, I think at the end of the year, I had a a grandmother in Florida back in the States using the same type of systems that I was implementing. She's on a pacemaker and she has blood thinners for her heart and her pacemaker. And when she went into hospitals, she didn't get it on time because it's regimented every three hours and it created a lot of really negative impacts and a near fatal events and all kinds of things were going wrong. And so it just brought me back to the purpose, like we're supposed to be helping if this is not doing what I intended, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. So we started researching with nurses and we started seeing that a lot of what I was implementing wasn't either easy enough to use or it had some kind of problem with adoption. And it wasn't just back in the States, there are other areas that are having the same issues, but But nobody could really open a channel of communication from the front lines to the administrators, and there wasn't anybody being able to calculate the cost of those problems and inefficiencies that were going on, whether it's adverse drug effects or if it's an inefficient work process or something that could be made easier. So I found that even if we're putting all these digital strategies in, we're not Calculated the benefits, or we're not really understanding how it will be used, mm. and what is the good outcome that we want to measure as a success metric at the end. So those types of things I felt were missing a lot. That's where I left my very cushy uh, <laughs> job that paid me very well, started a startup to get paid nothing <laughs> for a very long time, and it was mostly because I had a very strong vision of this is something that needs to be done, and I have a unique skill set and it feels like I'm letting society down if I don't do something about Mm. this. So that was the call to action. And then I was just very fortunate enough that a lot of other people founded the company with me and started on the journey. And we've been at it ever since
0: yeah wow there you go that's the calling that the itch that says that i need to be here no matter you know what other current situation you're in it's uh this is the right way to go i can relate so the if i think as a uh, health tech or a med tech or a digital health startup from my experience a big challenge is demonstrating the why or the what's the benefit or the return on investment of a solution of a product do many companies demonstrate that within the health tech med tech digital health space
1: i find that startups are really bad about being able to quantify and communicate their roi in a way that makes sense at different layers so it might be patient outcomes is your big winning selling point but then i've heard startups get through a six-month trial with a hospital They get in front of the board of directors, the CFO, and when they're asked, great, you had six months, what was my return on investment for this project that we did with you as a trial, they speak back to the patient outcomes and Mm. the delivery of the system. And what they're wanting to hear is, how much money did you make me? Because most hospitals have a, a very small amount of funding that they have to capitalize on. So you have to prove you're not just a cost, but you're an investment that brings back revenue. And if you can't do that, then it's a really hard sell. But if you can say, yeah, you spent a dollar on us and we gave you five back and here's all the ways that we did it, suddenly you're no longer a cost, you're like a mechanism for more revenue, which is what the upper levels of the administrators and executives need to hear. So a lot of startups miss that because they have, like me, I was all about, let's save patient outcomes and make like medications easier to administer. But at the end of the day, it's still a business and you still have to pull in the financial aspect of it as well. So, some scale-ups are better at it and they'll do a study, but then what they'll find is this kind of sucks. I spent all this money on this one trial, but I can't recycle that through because every hospital considers themselves as a unique snowflake. And no, it won't really apply in our case because we have this level of differences. Yeah. So then it also becomes a problem with their sales and tender process where they're asked what's the ROI and they're giving data, but the hospital will consider it a false comparison. Like, yeah, that's great, but they were a private hospital and we're public, or they're funded this way, or they have maternity and we don't, or whatever the the case is. So, we rapidly had to make software that could handle any use case and be adjustable for those unique considerations. So, if you want to do another study, you can have it up and running in a couple of days and still get your ROI calculation on more of a cyclical and repetitive process instead of having one thing and hoping that it lands. So... We help both sides.
0: And so if you had a like a health tech solution or a product and you were like I'm sure this will benefit hospitals and I need to be able to demonstrate to a hospital that this would have a good ROI is there a standard format for like what that looks like is it a report or is it a, a something that you give them if you've not approached this well before and that's always the way too like mm-hmm. it's like back to that point about if you come at it just purely from the outcomes perspective they're usually the best products because they come from the the most kind of wholesome Place of like trying to actually solve a big problem for like humanity. However, that's if you're solely focused on that, that's where it can fall down because you don't get the funding. So I think that there's a lot of people who might need help with that bridging that gap. So is there some things they can be thinking about? Of is there anything standard, or is each one just a different conversation you need to have with these hospitals?
1: A lot of it is customized. We haven't found there's a whole lot of overlap between the different places we go? Because everybody has different problems. Some might be focused on ambulatory or four-hour length of stay or the theater efficiencies and getting our wait lists down. Everybody has their own problems. So that's the first thing is what are you solving that they have a problem? The second thing that most people don't really understand is healthcare is split into different ways that it gets funding. So public and private are completely different sides where one is getting a stipend from the government and others have to bring in as many customers as they can. Mm. So because the business model changes, you have to align to how they get their funding. Same with aged care and GPs. If you're not intuitive to know how they get their funding, you could miss the boat. And that's another thing that we've Heard from startups. We had a really great story of a startup that had this genomic test. He was going to go bring it to GPs and it would give a DNA analysis of his patients. And if you don't understand that GPs are financially strapped, they have to get their sessions done between six and 19 minutes. That's you're requiring them to read a report to their customers and they make the most money when they keep it closer to the six minute mark. So by adding in that extra inefficiency, they're actually losing money by using your product. So if you don't know these types of ins and outs of how the the daily work life of different areas operate, you could unintentionally cost them money. That's one of the big things that we have to educate people that come to us. Like, who is your customer? Do you know how they make their money? And do you know how your problem when you solve it is going to put more money in their bank account? Mm -hmm. And once we get that, it's a lot easier conversation, but it's very unique per person, per solution and what type of industry within health that they're trying to hit
0: yeah i think there'd be a lot of nodding of heads of people who are working in this space trying to crack that of of being able to commercialize a product within the australian healthcare setting particularly in the gp market as well there's those competing challenges i also think that those points that you raised are probably relevant to other industries as well do you work with other industries outside of healthcare and applying this model to them too
1: Yeah, like we our our core and our why has always been centered on health because that's our backgrounds, but we've had other people from Other areas, including consulting, we've had a finance organization reach out to us for a study. So we can do it however we need to. Like I said, it's just a drag and drop SaaS platform that's codeless so that we can draft up your app and dashboards within the day. We sit down for a consultation and you have your own private version of our code specific to your problem and the workflow that you're trying to figure out how I'm going to get value out of this. We made it so that it's really easy for anybody to use whatever problem it is and uh, we customize it rapidly so that I don't have to go back to my developers every time and have them put in bespoke solutions. I usually just have Uh, a library of things that we can drag and drop together to make it work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just thinking back to the the healthcare buyers for a second, there are the healthcare ecosystem. There's not one payer necessarily. There's obviously the government and that's, you know, one big payer, but there are many other players within the space too. If you were to look at those and then say these ones have a really high demand or an expectation when it comes to having a demonstrable ROI, are there any that really stand out to you that you focus a lot of your effort on?
1: If we keep our doors open, that was one of the benefits of getting the Advanced Queensland Grant is it gave us the ability that we could be a little bit more wide with who we help. So, we like, I'll use an example. We had uh, a Wesley Mission Clinic. They came to us and said, we've got a problem where our staffing ratio from nurses to patients is five nurses to one patient. It was the flip of what you'd normally see in a normal hospital setting, right. right? Yeah. But when we go talk to the nurses, they were all saying, we are understaffed and there's not enough time for patient care. So there's something disconnected between the perspectives of both sides. You have the executives up top that see the horizon, but then you have people at the front lines that feel the pain of the everyday. So when we went in and did a study, we found that they were both correct. They were understaffed and they did need more help. They just didn't need more nurses particularly. What they needed was patient care workers and people doing more janitorial work because when we measured. How much of different activities registered nurses being paid top dollar were doing? We found that those registered nurses were spending a lot of time answering the door, doing administrative work, taking care of janitorial stuff, the stuff that patient care workers normally do. And we asked them, why do you do this instead of your patient care workers? They'd say, Well, our patient care workers are never to be seen. They're super lazy. We don't know what they do all day. We go and talk to them and we measure what they're doing, and they're a hundred percent flat strap running around like mm. crazy trying to keep up with everything mm. and you can see where the problem mm. starts to appear and then the staffing was really easy to fix yes you need more people but instead of buying one more registered nurse let's buy you three patient care workers for the same price and take some of this stuff off of the people that are already stressed and just doing that one project we've calculated that through the implementation of these recommendations they'll save half a million this year mm. and about 8,000 labor hours Wow! there is no fit for purpose this is the one size fits all fix it's usually very customized to what is that problem in that organization yes finding that calculating the worth of it and then how are we going to fix it yes so i I hesitate to say yes we have a thing that fixes this problem all the time that's why we made it customized because it's always different
0: and i think having someone come into the business to to help a company find that discover that too can always be helpful and even it might be a a nagging or a suspicion that they have or they may you know after the i would suspect after the work that you do they might look at it and go yeah i kind of suspected that as well but you'd still need someone to come into the business and demonstrate that and show the value of it and and the implication of it so it's handy having someone like you guys helping out
1: yeah it also people are resistant to change change at an organization is Just like the human body, like we will attack change because we kind of have a natural immune system against anything, Mm. doing things that are unfamiliar. So by having data to show like it is worth doing it's worth pushing through the uncomfortableness of a change, It, it allows both people to feel heard to have that communication path from the front lines and the executives to all be in agreement and to kind of squash some of the dissenting um, opinions with, but this is the facts and the data. So, it it makes it easier to facilitate those kind of change managements and projects.
0: Cool. I I think that the, the point about change management in healthcare is one that a lot of people would also relate to as well. So, speaking to some themes people are pretty familiar with there. Hey, you mentioned the Advanced Queensland Ignite Ideas Grant. Tell us a bit more about that and what that involved.
1: It took a lot of us just keep trying, basically. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) No secret to it. We just kept writing grants until we finally got one. But I think it was our second Ignite Grant application. And out of 300 applicants, they selected 15, but they had a theme, which was, how are we going to recover from COVID-19 and help businesses? And so they they cherry-picked the 15 they thought that were closest to that theme. We just happened to be kind of one of the front runners when you look at it that made a good match. So for the Ignite grant, a lot of it is luck. They're going to have a theme. They're going to look at Mm. Who are the players around this idea of where we think the industry needs help and they're going to, to fund the startups. But you won't know what that is ahead of time. We wrote our grant in December. The theme wasn't even announced till like March. It's very much luck of the draw. But yeah, like I've got a fantastic writer on my team. Her name is Zoe Savick. And I'll throw her under the bus. If you want some tips, (laughs) she is fantastic. Hit her up on LinkedIn. We'll put her Um, personal phone number
0: in this. uh, Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah,
1: no, maybe not. She loves to help people and she's got a great voice for writing. So she can usually give a couple of tips here and there if if somebody needs help. But yeah, grants have been a major player with our success. So we've been very fortunate with the ones that we've raised.
0: Yeah, okay. Grants more generally, uh, especially for, uh, you know, that's a great way for a startup to get off the ground. And in healthcare, that's no exception. Is there some advice or like you know the top three things you'd recommend for a company to do when they're applying for a grant? I'd be
1: I guess just open to it doesn't always have to be money in your bank account. So we came up, there's a Microsoft for startups, and we applied and got the first year of all Azure servers that we wanted to use for free. We went to HubSpot and said, What startup kind of pricing do you offer? And they gave us the full platform for 90% off for the first year. So If you go and ask, like, hey, I'm a startup, I want to use your product, but do you have startup pricing? You'd be surprised how many people do, but they don't announce it. So if you like something, just ask if there's startup pricing, you'd be surprised. We've probably saved $150,000 off of products just by, hey, can you throw us a few bucks in our bank account as like uh, a pre-service rendered and we'll just pay through that pile of cash. Once we end it, we'll pay you full price. But yeah, lots of people do that they don't know about i know amazon microsoft oracle all have platforms and programs specifically for startups queensland like the ignite grants which what you always hear about because it gives you cash but there's also smarties grants which was like a ten thousand dollar thing that we got just for an advisor to come on board and help us out for a little bit so even little small ones you can find they're all over the place Hmm. uh that they really do help and they add up Hmm. so yeah just be creative and don't just think that the ignite and you know that That's the only way that you can possibly fund your startup. There's lots of things out there if you're willing to look.
0: Cool. That's a good that's good advice. And there's some interesting ones to explore there. I'm sure there are other, there's so many different products and things that you just need to use. So, I guess if you explored every single one of them and and just asked the question, you'd probably find some little nuggets there. So, that's helpful. Lastly, Robert, Cognium and you guys, what's on the horizon for the next 6 to 12 to 24? Uh, six months from now,
1: I we hope to have made all the milestones for the Ignite grant, which requires us to be pulling in a certain amount. Amount of revenue and to have a certain amount of customers that we're helping, and you know there's milestones that we have to achieve to get the full scope of the, the grant money. In 12 months' time, we want to be able to stand on our own two feet and not have to raise more and constantly have to get extra funding to cross the gap and salaries and stuff that people need and yep. uh, be profitable enough to keep scaling. Right now, we're just opening our doors and taking on lots more clients, and uh, hopefully three this week. If everything goes well, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great week actually. Hopefully, we'll be able to help a lot of startups, scale ups, and hospital systems all figure out what they can do to make things better within their organizations, get more profitable, have better outcomes, and we're just there to help and support and cheer them on so yeah. that's the ultimate call.
0: Excellent look I'll put all your, your details in the show notes and you can find out some information about Cognium on the Talking Health Tech website as well so make sure you check out that get in touch with Zoe or Robert if you do need a hand with anything or want to have a chat about some problems you're facing there's some pretty common problems that I know many organizations across the healthcare and health tech space uh, will face and there's a lot of valuable insights can be provided so keep an eye out for that. Robert appreciate your time good luck with those customers coming on and good luck with it all. Thank you so much appreciate being here. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Make sure you go check out our website for all our resources, including this podcast and the largest directory of technology solutions available to Australian healthcare practitioners today. Until next time, I'm out of here.